Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. Her name is Jeannie Graham Scott, and she's just published a book in 2021. Title of the book is The Big Con, the story of a book to film scam, the victims and other writer scams, and how to avoid being a victim. And Jeannie is the CEO of Changemakers Publishing and Writing. It's an internationally known, she's an internationally known writer, consultant, speaker, and workshop leader. Her most recent books and programs called Self-Publishing Secrets, Deal Without a Right, Distribute, and Promote a Self-Published Book in Multiple Formats. She's published over 50 books with major publishers and over 60 books through Change Makers Publishing on social trends, business, and self-help topics. She does workshops on finding publishers, agents, and film producers, and has books on those topics. Her latest books include The Science of Living Longer to be published by ABC Clio, Credit Card Fraud, co-written with a debt strategist and bankruptcy attorney, recently published by Rome, Roman, and At Death Store, co-written with End of Life Care Doctor, also published by Roman, and is now a, now a TV series. She's worked with dozens of clients as a ghostwriter and consultant. As a filmmaker, she has written and produced six feature films, TV series, documentaries, one in distribution, five to be believed, released soon. She has recently set up a company called Ghostwriting Gurus at ghostwritinggurus.com to connect writers with other ghostwriters. And she has many websites, which are Changemakers Publishing and Writing.com, Jeannie Graham Scott, spelled G I N I Graham Scott.com, and Changemakers Productions.com. Or also, her other website is Jeannie Scott.com, G I N I S E O T T.com. But again, we're going to talk about this book, The Big Con, very interesting, kind of international crime thriller, but she can talk more about that. So, Jeannie, welcome to the show. Thanks for agreeing to the interview. Yeah, glad to be here. Excellent. Well, so for people who may not have heard of your background, can you kind of talk, you have a long career, can you talk about these books and kind of what happened to get this story of the big con started? Well, what's happened is the um, publishing industry has gone through a major change in the last 15 years. And what has meant is that there's been a rise of self-publishing. And when self-publishing, people have to promote their own books. And so that has opened a door up to a lot of these scam artists who prey upon people who are trying to get their books published or have published their books themselves, would like to see them as a movie. And these scam artists come in and they offer all kinds of deals, but many of them are just, you know, they're, they're not real. And they make people think that they're going to get a movie done. They're going to make uh, make lots of money with their books. And then they don't do the marketing. They don't follow through and uh, things fall apart. Great. And so can you talk about how you, you kind of have been in this book industry and that's how you got swept into this book to film, this one of this book to film scam, right? Right, exactly. Well, I have, I've actually, you know, to update my bio, I've actually done 18 films now. Oh, wow. And we've had um, nine in distribution with uh, distributors. And then we have others that are in, in post-production or we've got uh, screener trailers finding distributors. So I've been writing a lot of material that's perfectly legitimate, both for my own purposes and then also to pitch scripts to other people. Uh, but what happened in this particular scam 
is that this company created imposter executives representing companies like New Line and Rat Pack, which are real companies. But what happened is that people would write this material and then it wouldn't go anywhere because it would go to the imposter executives. They would think they were going to get deals. They would be uh, persuaded to write all sorts of additional materials and do these and pay them for marketing. But it wouldn't go anywhere because it wasn't real. Right. So this, that's what it was. So there was people who were impersonating real companies in Los Angeles with, with addresses in Los Angeles, but weren't in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they would in their material, you know, use the real addresses. They would use the real company names. But if you look closely at their emails that they used, they created their own emails. Like instead of new line, uh, dot com, they would have the newlinecompany.com or, or .ca or .org or something else. So it wouldn't be exactly the the real uh, email of the company, but uh, the average person wouldn't know to check that kind of thing. Right. So what they would do, how would they find people to scam? Well, people who have just published books, I'm sure there are lists of uh, as people get their news books published. I mean, like I've had phone calls uh, sometimes three or four a day even from companies that have just started up that they apparently look through Amazon, get names of books. Uh, I've had people call about 10-year-old books that, uh, you know, they they want to do a marketing campaign for it. And the book is really off the market. It's not really promotable now. And so they, they suddenly find these these authors and I'm, I'm sure they have databases they circulate of authors and they, they pass them around. And many of the companies will uh, have um, one name and then, you know, if they get discovered, they'll have another name. Many of them companies are in the Philippines uh, and then they uh, are able to make it look like they have a U.S. address, like this one company uh, seemed to be in Los Angeles. They had a, 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 a mailboxes there, but in fact, they were in the Philippines and their their PayPal account would show that. This is before it got canceled. Right. So that was your experience. And so how, what was the hook? So they said that we can market this. We think this book is a great book that could be marketed in L.A., but all we need is for you to pay a certain amount of money for a write-up, uh, a, a teaser, or a, a, a sizzle reel or something like that, right? Can you explain that? Yeah. Yes. Well, typically, I mean, people really need that kind of things. And, and one of the ways they found out what they needed is they would ask me, what do I prepare to make pitches to producers or to production companies? And so some of the material is they learned about for me as things that are really legitimate materials that you would prepare to make a pitch of your material. Uh, so so the, the key was that they were not really pitching it to real people. So I would write uh, synopses and log lines, which are, uh, it's about a one and a half, one page uh, summary of what the book's about with a one or two sentence uh, tagline about it. Uh, there would be a picture of the poster on it. So I've created lots of these for my own films. And then they would also um, uh, do a, uh, have me do a treatment. Now, sometimes I, I would do a treatment for a film that I'm doing because it's like an outline of what scenes you're going to have in uh, in the final film. And you use that before creating the script because you want to outline what the script, the uh, scenes are going to be. 
So I would create these treatments, which are more like working documents. It's not necessarily go to other people. And so then I would, I would write the treatments and then I would get go ahead to do, write the script, which I've done, you know, many, many times for my own material. I'm working on a script right now for um, uh, a, um, a horror feature where we've worked out a, I did a, a little synopsis. Um, I've been working with a treatment based on with the, um, uh, the director producer, and then I'm going to be writing the script, which includes the dialogue and, you know, more specifics about exactly what happens. So this is all real material that you could use. And also a sizzle reel can be used in a, a 30 second to, uh, well, it's more like about 60 seconds to about 120 seconds. And you can uh, feature the main elements of the film. And so it can be used as a, a draw to attract people to it because before they see the um, the synopsis, they, they see this and it, it you know, it's like a, a screen trailer, a film trailer, except it's for a script. So I would write all these materials that are real materials. But, but as I say, the, 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 hitch was that they were not really sending it to legitimate people. Right. So they're not sending it to, to legitimate people, but they're getting you to do the work. So you're doing that for yourself, but also for them. So they're actually used your credibility to their behalf too. So that was part of what yeah. them in, right? And exactly. And sometimes they would have me talk to clients and one of the things I never went over with the clients is finances. One of the things I didn't realize until afterwards is they were marking up what I was doing, sometimes three to seven times what I would be charging somebody directly. So, for example, in one case, I was I wrote about a 20 page, 20 pages of the beginning of a script and they wanted me to keep writing. And later I found out what I was charging about $1,000 for, they were charging the client about $7,000 for. And so you know, it's, it's one thing to have an agent who's working about 25, 30% and they have a markup. Uh, you, you, maybe it's 20%. Uh, but, you know, that's perfectly legitimate. But, but to, you know, for that amount of markup, that, that is, you know, scam territory. Right. And so that was kind of the thing, but you didn't see that side of it, right? You thought you were just doing that. And that's, I mean, this was all fairly recent. This is 2021. So your book is very current. Like this is all things that happened just recently. happened. Yeah. I mean, what happened is that there was some confusion about paying somebody. Uh, basically, I would get a pay, they would get paid by the person and then they would pay me. And in this particular case, some of the uh, services or payment platforms that they used were, were starting to feel that they were involved in fraudulent activity so that they uh, canceled their accounts. Uh, so uh, this person kept trying to pay them through PayPal, through Mitly, through um, uh, some of the other services, uh, and, and they wouldn't take her payment. So they had her call me and we had this big discussion about, well, she was going to pay me and then I was supposed to send money to them. And they wanted me to send back about 70%, 75%. And I said, well, I can't do that because it's like money laundering. I can send up to 30% back to you. So we had this big discussion back and forth. And at one point I had canceled the um, uh, payment. from. Uh, I refunded the person. Would, I wouldn't do this. And then they had her pay me again. And, I, you know, we, and it, it, it was a lot of confusion about it. So I ended up 
talking to her directly. And that was when I suddenly realized, I mean, God, this is a scam. They had her, they were setting her up to go on this video conference with this executive producer, supposedly from New Line. And they kept saying that the New Line person wanted more material and this wasn't good enough and they needed some, some changes. And so as I talked to her about it, I just suddenly realized what was going on. And it was at that point that um, uh, she just started working with me directly. And they even tried to get back the money they had advanced to me before all this happened. And they, they tried um, uh, a claim against me for not doing certain work that I had done in the past. I ended up winning these cases. And I, I supplied sure. PayPal with detailed information about the whole scam. I ended up not only speaking to her about it, but then I, I went back and I called the other people I had worked for and discovered that they had been scammed also. Uh, so there were 10 of them I spoke to and they had lost anywhere between several thousand dollars to in some cases 20,000 and 36,000 was the largest amount somebody lost. And so I ended up in the book uh, getting their stories. And some of them, what's very sad about it is they really had good material that with with a legitimate producer could have been produced. Right. So they just got caught into something that they paid money to thinking and the big end was uh, you're going to have a Zoom that never happened. And that was the common denominator with all of the scam victims, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they would uh, write, very, have various materials written for them. I mean, some dropped out at, at a certain point. I mean, they ran out of money or they started becoming suspicious. So they might have only lost maybe five, $7,000, but others just kind of continued along with this. And I mean, it's amazing to think that you know, with all her trouble getting uh, getting to pay them, that she wouldn't have become suspicious sooner. Right. And that was one of the other things that was kind of suspicious, too, is that some of the companies changed names. So they weren't long term companies. So it's almost like the corporate uh, out would change. And same with the sales managers. Right. Oh, yeah. We're moving off to start this company. So that was also very suspicious. Uh, yeah, I mean, they would leave companies and they would change their names. And uh, so I, I, I still get some referrals from some companies that I think are legitimate. Uh, but um, I mean, they, you know, they uh, I've been working with them. I see that they actually have published books that they've uh, put on their websites. So, I mean, I think that, that you know, there are many of them that are legitimate or trying to uh, do something legitimate. But the scam companies, I mean, they use my name as a way of, I mean, I feel like I'm a victim too, because they use my name and my reputation to get these people uh, sucked into their deals that I had no, no knowledge of. And, you know, once I knew about it, I didn't want to be associated with these companies anymore. Right. And there are vanity publishers who do this kind of service too, whether they're very effective or not is another question, but they do, you pay a monthly fee. They supposedly market your independent book for you, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there are some that do, do, they're not illegal, but they do provide this type of service. And you talk, you, you talk to a lot of these and met up with a lot of these victims and you put them in your book. Can you talk about some of the people and, I mean, there was the New Line scam and there was the Frankfurt Book Fair scam. Can you talk about the people and some of the other scams that were involved well, in I it? Think, uh, many of the companies started uh, with book festivals and they would get 
people into book festivals. And I mean, I think they legitimately put people in book festivals, but I think they emphasize the fact that these book festivals were going to be really effective. But in fact, uh, people in these book festivals, they would charge much more than uh, the people of some of the, the book companies, the festival companies that are like the um, uh, combined book exhibit, uh, for example. You know, people would, for a couple hundred dollars, could be part of this combined book exhibit. And, uh, the, but, but even though you're in this exhibit, I mean, it's like one of many booths, and you're you're lumped in with a great many other books. So it's not like you're getting totally featured. And so people would pay several thousand dollars to get into these festivals that would have you know minimal promotional value. And then right around the time that COVID hit, you know, all the book festivals started being canceled, uh, and uh, so, so so some of them changed their strategies to. Uh, this book to film scheme, for example, and uh, I mean, literally, uh, 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 people can get books turned into films. I mean, there 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 are ads. If you uh, uh, publishes weekly, they'll uh, feature a couple of books that are uh, featured, or the uh, Hollywood Reporter. Uh, there are a couple of books in each issue that are shown as you know, look at this as a possible book. However, what happens is if you don't have a book that's published by a mainstream publisher and it's gotten very little attention, it's you know, one of about two million books now are published each year, uh, so it doesn't really stand out. It hasn't made your sales. I mean, nobody's going to really pick out your book as one to take um, excerpts from or to adapt. Uh, a lot of times it's because people know people in the industry. It's very much a relationships-based industry. So if you have family connections, I mean, you can get these things shown. But if you're starting out without those kinds of connections, it's very, very competitive and difficult. Uh, so I, I work with a service of Publishers Agents Films that sends out queries to producers and agents. And that has resulted in some people finding producers or agents or publishers or, uh, or literary agents through that, uh, but it's it's a, a service that sends it out. You know, it's not a major amount of money. It's about $250 to send out a query to about 1,200 uh, producers and about 600 agents. And I mean, there are no guarantees, but it depends on the strength of their book or their um, uh, your script, whether or not there's going to be attention paid to it. But um, but what these these companies, uh, the scam companies do is they seem to make it seem like it's guaranteed, like they have ins in the industry when they don't have ins. So I think that's you know part of part of the scam is building up what they're doing beyond what they can really do. Right, and they spend a lot of time. I mean, you include in your book a lot of the emails and things like that to mean show their uh, their legitimacy, but also really to kind of put the squeeze and con and pressure on people, right? Yeah, and I'm amazed at the number of emails that go back and forth. One person who is featured in the book, but but not in the film itself because he was a, afraid of, you know, his reputation and uh, doing special services that, that, that he, he might be compromised as a result of being in the film, whereas he felt, you know, safe being in the book. Uh, but um, but I just spoke to him about uh, uh, recently he wanted to he'd been getting these emails and he sent me like 282 emails that he had gotten from um, these other companies and not not the one that scammed him. He sent me about 500, uh, 600 emails 
from them. I mean, and part of, for him, uh, part of the reason that he, be, he became so gullible is because they, they had so much emphasis on contacting him over and over and, and emphasizing how much he, uh, value he had his, his book. And so he was convinced. I mean, I would feel like if somebody sent me that many emails, there's something wrong. Right. It's interesting. So like that, that worked for some people, just the real attention and saying your book, uh, book and your product has value worked for right. those individuals. Another thing they would also do as a strategy is to suddenly say, well, I, I've been able to get you a special deal. So instead of paying $6,000, I've been able to, we'll, we'll shoulder $2,000 or half of the money. So you only have to pay 4000 or $3,000. And so they'll use that as a, a guideline for getting people to buy into the scam, thinking that the company is putting money behind them when in fact, you know, they're just reducing their uh, their uh, increase of, of the amount that they're getting from maybe seven times to five times of the amount that they're going to be paying as, as their profit. Because, you know, they, after the, the, the person pays them, you know, then they'll pay me the smaller, much smaller amount to actually do some of the work. Right. And in, I mean, if these people who are doing it are in the Philippines, confirmed to be in the Philippines, the Philippines annual salary is like for like a mainline worker is like three or four thousand dollars. So, you know, if they get two or three scams a year, that might be enough. I mean, I don't know how it's divided, but it seems like even in year experience, there was a battle between so-called sales managers who are working this, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's not totally clear because of the way they change names and who's related. And it seems like sometimes there were family relationships. So uh, the um, in this particular scam, there was a, a family who was um, having the PayPal accounts, for example. And so the, any of the payments would come through them. And so it's not clear whether or not this person was part of the family, whether they had a phony name, whether it was somebody that was hired to be a sales manager, whether he had gone off on his own and created the scam, or whether whether he was just part of the family. And, and then now that they're in business again, they claim they have no relationship to him. So I'm not clear whether or not he, it was just a change of a name or whether or not the company itself really knew about it. But I know that they're back up there. I don't want to mention any names. But, uh, you know, uh, they're still doing it under certain things like you have a sense that even to this day, 2022, January, this is on an ongoing scheme. Yeah, their website was down for about two months. And so I thought that they had gone out of business, but now they've started up again and they have the name of of one of the people who was involved with with the PayPal account originally. And so, you know, he's like this as a director. But somebody got a, an email from him claiming to be associated with another company. They got another email. And when I checked out the email, the, the website, um, uh, the supposed website in the email did not exist. So, if, you know, because of the way the technology exists today, it's very possible to um, make these phony emails or the phony phone number. So you think somebody's calling you from the United States. When in fact, you know, they've hooked in from another country, and I don't only want to blame the Philippines. I mean, there are other countries, uh, or um, some people could be in the United States. So, I mean, I've gotten people who are supposedly literary agents, and they're out of Vermont or out of um, Louisiana, which are unusual places to have, to be a literary agent. Uh, so, um, 
but you know who knows i mean it, you know they they could just be getting phone numbers from um randomly i get phone calls all the time that look like they're 925 numbers which is right. my question. but they're not or or they when i answer the name of my company they're hang-ups or i talk to somebody and uh, they have a 925 number but but they're in some other location and then they give me a story about how they found my book and we would like to promote your book and we think it has great potential and so i what i've been doing now is i've been collecting information uh, as my assistant uh, and uh, referring it on to me and then I, i'll say well i'll call you back if um you know if she's interested because you know i want to screen these calls and i mean when you discovered that it was a scam you took certain steps to notify authorities and these business and PayPal, right? Um, I have notified authorities. I've asked the people involved in the scam to notify authorities in their area because some of the people are around the United States. One person is in Australia. Uh, however, because the amounts are, from the perspective of law enforcement, so small, uh, you know, when they, they are dealing with million dollar scams or much, much larger scams that involve lots of many, many people. Uh, or they're in other countries. So for law enforcement locally, it's mostly just like taking a report. It's like when you have a break-in on your car. And so you want to report you report that to the police. And it's just they take it, they refer it to your insurance company, or you refer it to the insurance company. So it's a little bit like that, is that it's very difficult to get anybody to uh, pursue these cases because of the lack of evidence or these... Um, uh, the small amount, relatively speaking, or the fact that they're, the people are in other st uh, cities, uh -huh. other states. Uh, so it's just very hard to do anything. So I've, I've been telling people to report them because if there's enough attention to a particular case, if they find enough victims, I mean, then they'll start to do something. Or if we get enough, enough publicity, you know, then that, uh, that company will become known. Right. And did you find, like, since you found out that this scam exists, have you found other companies and other groups of victims too? Are you aware of any other types of things that have happened? Oh, we, oh yes, I am. I mean, there are a couple of, of, web, of websites or, or organizations that collect information. There's Writer Beware, and I'm in touch with them. I mean, uh, Victoria Strauss is the, the person there. It's a spinoff from the sci-fi um, fantasy uh, uh, website. And so writer beware, if you look it up at Google, you'll get there. But she lists a lot of these organizations that are scams or, uh, or companies that uh, provide services, but they're not particularly effective, but they might still be legitimate. Uh, the, there's Ali, A-L-L-I, or the Authors um, uh, Independent Alliance that I have also joined. And they're another organization that creates lists. Oh, you, you put the writer's beware on your yeah. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah, so people. Yeah, so, yeah. So she, so she's a really good resource for for this, and so she lists these various um, organizations. And so I've been in touch with her. Uh, she's familiar with my book, but she doesn't do endorsements for anybody because she because I'm wanting to be independent. Uh, the um, or the Alliance Alley, the um, uh, Independent Authors Alliance. I mean, I'm I'm not sure of the exact order of those things. The Alliance of Independent Authors. Uh, so th that's another organization that uh, uh, inf information and, and has a list of well. And, uh, and then the um, 
some of the authors groups look into this and they they collect information. There's a, a legal department from the Authors Guild. I, I actually joined them, and but I, I haven't had much response from them. But that's another po possibility to just list your scams with them. Right. But if people know that these scams are available, that's kind of an inoculation. That kind of keeps people from like, is this real? Can I call this person at, you know, New Line Cinema and ask if they're employed there? check on the business background, Better Business Bureau, those types of things. Well, one of the, one of the tips, tip offs is, you know, they seem to be that the CEO of, a, of this major company is offering 80000 dollars $80, $180,000 was the, the offer. And supposedly you have this video conference and then you're going to get this huge amount. Um, however, in the, the the way in which the film industry works is the CEO is not going to be the person you talk to about licensing your film. There's a whole team of development people and creative executives who look at these things or they're readers who will first uh, evaluate something and then they pass it on. It's different if a major actor, you know, gets a, a, a script that they like, you know, then they, then they can overcome these sort of initial hurdles that the average person goes through. But but bearing that, for the average person, you know, they, they're very steps along the way. They, they wouldn't immediately have a, uh, an offer like that, especially that a huge amount. I mean, they, right. would, they would have an option of feed. Sometimes these option feeds are like a dollar um, or you know, a small amount just to basically hold it for six months or so if they see that they they can get casting and financing. So it takes a while to develop these things. So a lot of people who don't know how the industry works, you know, thinks that, oh, well, I've got this person who's in the industry who can ride my my book through. And uh, but that's not how it works. But they, they're made to believe that because they don't understand the industry. Right. I mean, it's really it's really a shame, too, because all that money that they spent or got scammed out of that could have been the basis for actual real tangible things or, or the basis for another book or something. So there's huge opportunity costs wasting your time with somebody who's not going to do anything. Right. right. Well, the team I work with, and if people have a budget of around $60,000, $70,000, we can pr actually produce the film. I don't, I, I get involved with the writing and I'm helping to raise funds for the films. Uh, but the product, production people I've worked with, we've done seven, 18 films together, and they have a background between them, about 30 years in the film industry working on various productions. And so, you know, we, we could create a budget for them, and, if, you know, with limited number of locations and casting. What, what really drives up the cost of filming is when you get name actors involved. You know, uh, we've had some actors who come in for like $4,000 to do a supporting role when they come in for one day. But if you imagine these, these big name actors, I mean, that's where you get these million dollar film budgets. I see. And you're making a film about this book, right? Yes. Yes. We, we have we've just finished filming it with the um, seven of the uh, people who are in the book are are featured in the film and they, they did interviews with them about their stories. And I mean, some of these are really heartbreaking. Some of these people really went through devastating experiences. Uh, I mean, they, they lost huge amounts of money. Um, 
there was a potential for divorce. I mean, there was, you know, problems in their family because they lost so much feelings of embarrassment of having people know about them being involved with this. So, I mean, not everybody I spoke to would be willing, was willing to be in the film just because of all the, the, the hardships. But um, but anyway, so seven of them spoke about their uh, their tragedy and, and wanting to basically try to turn it into something good by being a warning to other people, by being in this film. And so the, the film uh, itself will be out probably in about April or May. I mean, they, they, we just finished filming it. It takes about two or three months for editing it, creating a trailer. Then it takes about two months before you line up a distributor. Then the distributor needs about two months or so to get it into retail distribution. Uh, we've been exhibitors at the, the latest American film market. And I have, um, uh, I did a video of the 32 films we um, featured at the last exhibit we had. So we're not only featuring the films we were exhibiting, but also scripts that I've written. I've been entering scripts in film festivals. And this is another thing I can help people with is um, we've had 55 awards now for about eight different scripts that I've entered in competitions around the world. Congratulations. Yeah. So anyway, so that's another way in which you, if you start getting awards for films uh, or for scripts, you know, or for your film, that's a way of getting attention too. Uh, so there's a number of PR uh, strategies you can use depending upon what level you're at. It, 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 you wouldn't really do too much PR until you have an actual film. But in terms of the scripts and the f festivals, you could, if you start getting awards, you can start advertising or promoting those. Uh, a lot of times local publicity is a way to get going. Uh, I also work with a group called Expert Click, where I list uh, publicity. And um, possibly that's where I heard about you. Or you heard about me. Oh, you thank you. I heard about your book um, just on Amazon. So it came up on a recommended book. So I said, oh, that looks interesting because I've been self-publishing for 10 years. So I've seen a lot of the pitfalls and kind of uh, difficulties. And I had to do the marketing myself. So, I mean, that was kind of the yeah. trade-off. But... I have another website at changemakersproductionsfilms.com. And if you go there, uh, changemakersproductionsfilms.com, uh, you, that, that's focused around our the films that we've actually produced. Got it right there. Yes, that, that looks like it. Yeah. Sorry for all these beeps in the background. That's okay. <laughs> um, so you've done 18 films, so people can reach out to you. You've had a lot of experience in all this stuff. Yeah, and I could help them in writing a script or, or if they've just done a book and it's not got a lot of publicity, uh, it would be better to turn it into a script and then pitch the script rather than trying to pitch film rights in the book because if the book doesn't have a lot of attention and the person's not really famous, it, it's very hard to do that with, you know, there's so many books out there. So a script is a little bit better to go, go usually have, usually when I have a log line synopsis because the first step is to send a query letter where you have a very brief information about it and then they ask you for more information and they might ask for your logline synopsis. They might ask for the first 20 pages of the script or they might ask for the whole script. If they see, if they like the first 20 pages, then they're gonna want the rest of the script. And so, the, so those are basic way to start and I, I won't take that phone call, I'll just let that go. Um. We are at about 35 minutes, Jeannie. Do you have anything you'd like to add? I mean, there's a lot more in this book. You have the testimonials. You've got parts in the book about avoiding other scams, uh, how there's other scams targeting writers and self-publishers. You have links to 
helpful sites. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Or yeah, I, I, I actually, I actually, what this led me to do is look into other scams. And I've written another book called I Was Scammed that was just published about a, a day ago oh, on, on Amazon. And what that does is it looks at uh, the various personal identity thefts. You know, people will email you to ask you for information and they're not you know, they're not really legitimate companies uh, that are trying to get personal information, which will enable them to use your financial credit cards or your bank, or they'll be able to access your computer or send you malware. Uh, they're also, you, you found that, yes. Um, so, you know, we're actually trying to get reviews. So I, I posted the uh, uh, the book on Kindle for the lowest amount I could because we'd like to get some reviews because once you get five or six reviews, you know, then it's worth advertising the book. Before that, you, you can't really do that. Um, so if anybody it's wants... so important today. There are scams happening all the time. They're happening in other countries. It's not just the Philippines. It's India. People are taking advantage of uh, credulous people online, looting exactly. bank accounts. It's happening all the time. They're just and it's also uh, talking about real estate scams. And they have people yeah. pretend to own a house that they're selling, or they pretend to own a house that they're renting, and so that they get rental information, or they get people to pay deposit money, and then the people discover that they can't. That's not the real owner, and other people live there. And they've just lost their money, or they'll tell them to use uh, uh, Wise or, or one of the MoneyGrams. And when they send them that way, it's just sending cash. If you use your credit right. card, you have some protection. Uh, right. but, there are but, scams of just a cell phone, like, hi, this is your bank. There's a problem with your account. Can you log in here? And they try to get all your information. It looks legit, looks like B of A or something like that. And it comes oh, from. Oh, one of the things that I've done in this is I've, I've given examples of where these people have emailed me um, all these these basic uh, scam ideas of um, uh, you know your your account is limited uh, you you have an Amazon problem we're we're stopping your account uh, and then you suppose you're supposed to click a link and then that link is it either puts malware on your computer or it brings you to a a place where you enter personal information. Uh, it talks about these uh, social media scams. I mean, sometimes people advertise these scams on social media. Uh, there are also merchant and customer scams where uh, the merchants, uh, there may be phony merchants who they have special deals and they it's much lower than anybody else and it's not real. Or the customers can scam merchants where they um, uh, get information or, or products from you and then they claim that there was something wrong with the product. And so the person, the merchant becomes, uh, they lose the money from the product. Uh, they, the, the, their credit card reputation gets ruined and then they, they're out the product. And then meanwhile, and they, because the, uh, the credit cards tend to take the customer's uh, claim uh, seriously. I mean, unless there are a whole bunch of claims and then they start becoming suspicious. But a lot of times customers do this. And, and uh, I had a customer who did this to one of the, book um, ghostwriting services that I work with. And so um, about halfway through the project, uh, he just simply disappeared and he also put a claim on his bank. So as a result of that, he was supposed to go through the, the, the company itself if he had any problems. But so he got the material from me, put a claim on his bank. And so, you know, he ended up winning that. And so I had a, I had a, a 
a problem with Stripe for a while. They they closed my account as being too high risk. You know, finally they brought it back because I explained to that. And most recently, I think that he he not only disappeared, but there's some uh, correspondence on the internet that he might be dead. I mean, I don't I don't really know what happened, but it was one of these things that I just realized the extent of the scam, and now I'm looking into uh, into other kinds of scams. So I've you know somehow I've turned into this sort of a scam um, expert, I guess. Consumer rights, consumer activist. You, know, you gotta watch out. You gotta watch out. I mean, they've, they, I think they've always been around. Like John Stossel's done consumer rights type stuff. And it's really kind of a dangerous environment. So I really appreciate you writing the book and coming on to talk about that. So the and best place to say there's so much possible because before then, and people would have personal contact. And, but now with the internet, people can be anybody. Right. They can just send you a, a spam phone call. You know, it's just incredible. You could pick up one phone call. It could lead you down a trail uh, to, you know, desolation. Like these are, they have serious effects. So people really have to be very careful. And the best place to reach Eugenie is through your website, your contact information, right? Yeah. They, they can contact me there or publishers agents films is the other service that I, I'm affiliated with. I have, I have assistants who work on that one. Uh, gotcha. but, you know, if they want to do a mailing to uh, publishers, agents, or producers, uh, they can use that. Or for writing, changemakerspublishingandwriting.com. Gotcha. I'll put all those links in the show note, too, so okay. people can see that and get you the contact. But again, the author's name is Jeannie, G-I-N-I, Graham Scott. And the title of the book is The Big Con, the story of a book-to-film scam, the victims, other writer scams, and how to avoid being the victim. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Take care. Take care. Stay, Stay there. Don't go anywhere. Okay.